I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Game on, everyone. Welcome to the show. Jake Seeley, your host. As always, you know where to follow me at All In Kid, or I'm assuming you do. Maybe because today's guest is exceptionally impressive. You don't know who I am, and you're checking in for the first time, and then I welcome you. And I also am here to tell you, as a reminder to the listeners, to the new people, to everybody, if you want to get into the contest, now's the time. This is the week, because I want to get it out for you guys around Thanksgiving so you can give it away as a Christmas present or just wrap it for yourself and put it under the tree. Oh, my God, look at what I got for myself. In any case, that's what I'm doing is the giveaway. It's a signed mini helmet of the Saints of Michael Thomas, arguably one of the best receivers in the league. I love that guy so much. In any case, if you go to iTunes, give this show five stars, give it a glowing review, take a screenshot, send it to me, subscribe as well. So it's kind of a three-step process. You can get up to three entries. If one is you just kind of go out there and give it five stars. If you do the five stars and subscribe, two, five stars, subscribe, review, three. Very simple. Three entries, very easy to get in and get more than a lot of people out there because people are lazy. So there you go for that. Uh, what else we got going on? Oh, yes, go check out patreon.com front slash all in sports. Those are some extra shows, extra special things, some videos with Joe Pizapia, Chris Meany, and myself. And if you aren't part of The Athletic, as a reminder, you can still save 30% if you go to theathletic.com front slash, guess what, everybody? All in sports. Very simple. That's how you save 30%. So do all that. And we're going to talk a lot of fantasy football today. And now today's guest, I don't know how you're listening to this show and not following this guy, but I will tell you to follow him anyway. You follow him at Evan Silva, very simple, because that is his name. He is one of the, I'd say, kings of the mountaintop of the fantasy industry. You should be reading. Like, if you want everything there is to know about every single game heading into a week, that's where you go to Rotable. That's where you read Evan Silva. You get that breakdown. And you say, hey. Now I know everything I need to know about every single game. So, Evan, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, tell everybody else, too, as well, what else you got going on so they know where to find every, uh, everything you're doing. Yeah, and you can just check me out on Twitter, at Evan Silva, uh, and rotoworld.com, and, and, and that'll be it. <laughs> That's everything. They got you covered on both. All right, so you and I, real quickly, before we jumped on, we talked about last night's game and DFS perspective, and then I told you something I tweeted out last night, which seems to be frustrating, and... It's the Giants. Uh, obviously, they're frustrating, but I don't know if anything is going to change this year, and I don't know why they're doing it. Maybe it has to do with something with their offensive line struggles. A good signing with Amale, by the way, to go ahead and cut him in the middle of the season. That was great. $20 million spent. But mm -hmm. I joked and I said to you, it seems like they're trying to give him the ball behind the line of scrimmage as much as possible. Like It's like, hey, Barkley, we know how much you can do and how many people you can make miss, so we'll give you the ball five yards behind the line of scrimmage. We'll run out of shotgun. We'll give you a screen pass, but, the, but that won't be in the flat. It'll be four yards behind the line of scrimmage in the flat. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, I think that the, the, the point that, that, you were that you were making was that, um, and I noticed this too, and I maybe didn't know how to put it into words until you did, uh, when we were talking is 
the the depth at which they give the ball to him behind the line of scrimmage. One thing the Rams are really good at doing is um, giving Todd Gurley handoffs. Uh, he does line up deep, but when they hand it off to him, he's got a ton of momentum uh, moving forward. And of course, they have a, a, a good. He actually uh, next gen stats has, has clocked this, and he hits the he hits the hole. And they 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 don't give him shotgun handoffs. They give him handoffs from under center. And um, when he hits the hole, he's hitting it at a speed uh, that is faster than most running backs. And with Saquon Barkley, when they're giving him like the shotgun handoffs and their offensive line is just, I mean, every play, two guys are, are getting in the backfield. You, you know, they, they allow a ton of penetration from their offensive line. And it's like they don't even adjust for it. And I think that that's another thing that separates teams like the Giants from the Rams is just the in t- attention to detail. And maybe that has something to do with, you know, Pat Shermer being the head coach and having to worry about, all these other things and not being able to just worry about, you know, something that he's, he's good at, which is being an offensive coordinator um, and leaving that to Greg Olson, who I, you know, probably isn't a very good offensive coordinator. (laughs) Um, But the attention to detail, it's just every little thing matters, you know, and the giants don't have everything, every little thing down and the Rams do have every little thing down. And of course they have a lot more talent too, but if you just were to study, like, if you were to put, like, slides of, you know, the way that Todd Gurley gets the ball at, at the, the point of the handoff as opposed to where Saquon Barkley gets it, I, I bet you, you would see a very big difference. Yeah, and probably a big difference, too, is to start that Barkley's probably standing in place for half of them because, like, here, mm-hmm. go from zero up to whatever you need to do to get through everybody. And to, and to your point about the Todd Gurley's already got the momentum behind him, so... That's a really good point. It's another good way of uh, examining that back. It was just the difference of the uses in the running backs, and we can hope for obviously better for the Giants next year. But, hey, they just blew their chances at the number one pick. I said – I told my buddy – I went out for lunch. I had a buddy in town yesterday. I said, watch, the Giants are going to rattle off four wins in a row, go six and yeah. ten and ruin everything because the Giants do the Giants do. But and, and, in, and in week 11, they go back home to play the Buccaneers. I mean, they're, yeah. about, to, they're about to go on a two-game <laughs> win streak, and they're going to yep. be taking a generational – uh, off-ball linebacker in the 2019 draft. Yeah, exactly. Generational. Everything's generational with them. So, yeah, that's a, that's what they're going for. All right, so you brought up the Rams. I wanted to ask you about this situation because now Cooper Cup is unfortunately done for the year. But earlier this year, and I don't know if you are one of the people that is somebody that likes J- Josh uh, Reynolds, and I've always liked him. I always thought his game was a little bit limited for what he could be, but I, I saw the room for development. I mean, that's is what the case with a lot of wide receivers. But we saw him plug in immediately, and as the Rams do, they kept running three wide, and he actually saw 93% of the snaps in those two games. Here was the biggest concern. He only got 10.3% of the targets. And, yes, he did score two touchdowns in that second game, but it's kind of which matters more to you, and do you think that's just potentially because it was just his first two real games of starting action? Do you think that could change, or are you leaning more towards the concern of just because they keep running three wide doesn't necessarily mean like Reynolds is all of a sudden a wide receiver three? Yeah, it's it's a good question. So in the first game, the concern was, I mean, he was out there, but he just wasn't targeted. And in the second game, he was out there and he did get targets. And, you know, he caught, what, two, like two red zone touchdowns. Right. And he was like a, a, a slate breaker in DFS. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, you you wanted to have him in, in that second game, especially because a bunch of people played him in the first game. And then in the second game, of course, no one played him because everyone is prone to recency bias. And I'm not criticizing everyone because so am I. Right. You know, we, we all are as humans. Um, but like now we can look back at it and, you know, have more of like a broader, you know, zoom out view. And we can kind of understand that Josh Reynolds is probably going to be a little bit touchdown dependent, probably. Um, but he's going to be out there in this game that has, you know, the highest total like in NFL history. I think it's, I think it opened at 63 and a half and it's probably going to maybe even get bet up. Um, so I, I mean, I think that Josh Reynolds is a wide receiver three. Um, the, I think one of the best places to attack the Kansas, the Kansas city chiefs is uh, at outside cornerback. Josh Reynolds is going to play, um, outside receiver primarily. It's going to be Robert Woods primarily in the slot, which actually has been the most difficult uh, matchup uh, against Kansas City. We saw that last week with Larry Fitzgerald a little bit. He was quiet until they were um, really trying to rally back in the second half, and he still only finished with 50 yards. Um, but I, I think that Josh Reynolds is in a really, really good position. He's super cheap still in daily fantasy, um, and, I, and he is definitely a guy that you can get off your waiver wire right now. Yeah, so um, I'm looking right now. Do you know what the second highest over under of the week is? How far behind it is? Um, can I guess that it yeah. is uh, Eagles Saints yes. at 54 and a half? Okay. It, it is. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you've already checked all these. Nine points behind. You're, uh, yeah, 63 and a half. That's ridiculous. That's insane. I didn't realize it opened that high already. Wow. All right. So is there any chance that we see some Gerald Everett out of this? Because we saw it in the game when Cooper Cup got hurt. We've seen him, like, mm -hmm. at times before, but we also know that, like, Tyler Higby's still out there in the mix. Like, with just – the only reason I'm asking is because you know this. The tight end landscape this year is miserable. Mm -hmm. So, just in case, like, hey, I need a dart throw out there and somebody already has the Hewer man. Like, uh, is he potentially one you're looking at? Uh, he's teasing us. He's teasing us here because his his routes run were uh, from week seven through nine were nine upward move to fourteen upward move to eighteen and then last week back down to thirteen. But of course he scores a touchdown right before he had five targets, which I was like, ooh, it's you know it's time. It's time to start thinking about him. Um, I, I think that at the end of the day. Uh, his he's going to be in the same range that he has been. He's going to be out there like 35% of the snaps running 12 to 17 routes. And that puts him in a, like a really risky um, like tight end one streamer position. But man, I, you know, he's, he's got great athleticism. Uh, Sean McVay, the old Redskins tight ends coach, I uh, thought that there were a lot of similarities between him and Jordan Reed coming out. He played at South Alabama. So we should not be surprised that, hey, he had a pretty slow, um, you know, rookie season. He, he certainly flashed. Like, they will line him up at, in a wide receiver position at times on the field. Right. Um, so I'm not sure. Like, let me, let me throw it back to you, Jake. Like, mm -hmm. would you rather have him or Jeff Hireman? Oh, yes. well, first of all, like I said, you got to call me Hewer Man when, he's, when, when we were talking about him. I, <laughs> right. uh, I honestly, you know what? The, the sad thing is I'd rather take Hireman for the, yep. the use. Of, well, so it kind of turns into a conversation where I know this wasn't part of it, but we could kind of broaden it out and say we're heading to kind of like this Eric Ebron route. It's like, you know, Eric Ebron isn't getting snaps, but when he's out there for his 17, 16 snaps, a lot of them are passing. He has four touches, three of them go for touchdowns. So I'm sure you saw my Clay tweet about that. He's like, 
it's, you know, where, where do we go with tight ends? Do you just say, you know what? Well, every single time he's on the field and getting a snap, at least they're going to him and trying to get him to score. Or is it, you know what? I'm going to go and say, I'm going to trust the quote unquote process that everybody loves to put out there is like, you know, Jack Doyle's getting all the snaps. Hireman's getting all the snaps. Those are the tight ends I trust more. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a conundrum. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I think that Gerald Everett is worth picking up in most leagues if you have, um, you know, if you have a, a problem at tight end. I mean, would you think about playing him over Kyle Rudolph? Kyle Rudolph has been trashed this year. Yeah, I, yeah. I, think, I think that would be a match. See, and then we mm-hmm. kind of get into that whole realm of like, do you mm-hmm. play Nick Vanette over two touchdowns, one catch to touchdown? Because the Seattle Seahawks tight ends, or a thing, but you know, as soon as we plug in Nick Vanette, it's going to be a Dixon. And then, so right. I, I feel like I, you know, I feel like we're doing the same thing with the Steelers too. Is like every time I'm ready to say, all right, it is Vance McDonald. That's the Jesse James week. So to your point, I, I almost think it's just, you know, bite off whatever you want to play and just like say, you know what, I'm just going to swallow that and deal with it. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult fantasy position. No question. Yeah. Are you a proponent of changing that to a, like a, not a full flex, just a wide receiver slash tight end flex. So mm. you actually still have the decisions like, you know, because a lot of people will push back. It's like, oh, if you turn into a flex, you're never starting a tight end. Well, that's not true because if you have Kittle, if you have Kelsey, if you have Ertz, guess what? That's better than wide receiver threes. That's better than a lot of wide receiver twos. And what we're talking about right now is if your league is a 12-team league and deep enough, you can still talk about Ricky Seals Jones. It's just going to be like, do I start Ricky Seals Jones or Michael Crabtree? At least you're not forced to start a tight end of that level. Like, are you a proponent of like evolving the game that way, or do you think it needs to stay tight end only? That's the only thing you can start. I think it's an interesting discussion. Um, I think that at the end of the day, the tight end position does add a layer of strategy to our drafts. You know, hey, are we going to, you know, upgrade Travis Kelsey due to position scarcity? You know, um, we can still stream tight ends and maybe pick up a starter off the waiver wire. You know, Jeff Hoyerman has kind of flirted with that. No one wanted to pick up Jeff Hoyerman, you know, but he's kind of helped you a little bit. Um, so it adds that layer of strategy. What I would prefer to do is just add a flex anyway. You know, not yeah, yeah just just add a flex anyway. It can be wide receiver slash tight end, whatever, what have you. Keep the tight end position, but just add an additional flex. Yeah, get deeper into that player pool. All right, you know, real quick before we jump into this player-specific things, I have another for-instance question for you, Evan. How about this one? I was tweeted out yesterday, and I just came to this because somebody was asking me about his contract and what it was and everything. And I was being serious in my tweet, 100%. Like, I feel bad. I now feel bad for Nathan Peterman at this point. Like, because – and I tweeted out. I was like, this guy is – the laughing stock of a team. He like the entire country is laughing at him. He's probably not going to get another chance to redeem himself. So he's going to end his career as basically a laughing stock quarterback. And I was like, I actually feel bad for the kid. Like feel like what he probably goes through when he goes home. Like, Oh my God, you know, everybody hates me. I'm miserable. I suck at my job. And somebody was like, well, he's probably not even getting paid that much either. And I, I looked it up and it was $386,000 and the signing bonus was like, I think 60 of it. And then you got to figure in. So he only got, a certain percentage and then the taxes. So all here's the question where I'm going with this, Evan. If somebody paid you $150,000 to be nationally embarrassed on television for the rest of your life, would you take the 150,000? Is that is that enough money for you to be permanently embarrassed for the rest of your life? Um <laughs> I don't think so. See? That's what I'm yeah, saying. It's like yeah, everybody's I, like I don't think so. I and I I think it's actually a kind of an easy question to answer. Yeah. 
Like yeah. everybody's like, oh, well, you got paid money, you got to play the football game. And I was like, no, he actually has to go through life. Like, really, do you want to be that guy? $150,000 is okay for that? I wouldn't do it. I was just curious if you would. So $500,000, would you do it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Saints. Yeah. I mean, we're, hey, we're, we're starting to get into the range where we're, we're starting to consider it. but Yeah, we are. All right, so the Saints, we, we know the Des Bryant situation, and now he's down, down for the year. And we have Brandon Marshall signing, and obviously we know Brandon Marshall's pretty much been done for his career. Uh, but Traquan Smith, not just surprisingly in the fact that he had no targets and wasn't even involved in that game, Evan. The surprising thing was I, when I went to dig into it, I was like, yeah, okay, what was the snap count? He led, the, he led all wide receivers in snaps last week and still was completely left out of the game. So Traquan Smith, Brandon Marshall, are we now at the point where it doesn't really matter who the other wide receivers are? It's only the running backs, Michael Thomas, and maybe Ben Watson if you need them? Yeah, um, so I, I did the same digging that you did, of course. And um, the, All right, So, but, but also let's uh, figure, factor in that Drew Brees attempted 25 passes. Okay, that's his second fewest all year. So people are going to get left out. Like right. um, Michael Thomas was the only non running back on the saints to have more than three targets in the, in the game. Um, okay. So, and if you go back and look at Traquan Smith, who essentially, I'm sorry, Ted Ginn, who essentially Traquan Smith is, he's just jumped right into that role. It's been just a one for one. Right. Um, if you go back and look at his, he had splits like at, at home in, 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 in home games, Ted Ginn would be better. And then if you look at Traquan Smith, his two good games have come at home. He's been bad in all three road games since he jumped in for Ted Ginn. Um, so, you know, the home road splits, you know, it, it can definitely be small sample variance, no question. But with this, we have like a, a decent sample size here based on Traquan Smith and his predecessor. And it kind of makes sense intuitively that the speed burners would be having more success on the fast track in the Superdome. Okay, so Traquan Smith, yeah, he goose egged no targets last week, but they, they also had a uh, significantly reduced pass volume. I, I actually think that Traquan Smith is going to be a breakout player in week 11 against this Eagles secondary that is missing all but one week one starter from their nickel package. And um, I think that Tra we're going to see Traquan Smith make a big player too uh, in, the, in this game. This again, and you mentioned it, uh, this, this game has the second highest total on the slate. Yeah. So I'm assuming that you're going to have a good amount of shares of him in DFS this week. Don't perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> I haven't looked at his price yet. I mean, he, he has to be cheap, obviously, because he's, he's, he's also like Ted Ginn in that he's, you know, maybe going to get only four to six targets at best. And so he's got to catch, you know, two or three of them for him to matter. Um, I mean, he, he definitely has a low floor, but if he's cheap, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to look at him in GPP. Yeah, he's a uh, four thousand on DraftKings. So there's a uh, there's your cheapness there, and he's forty nine hundred on FanDuel. So yeah, I would say he's uh, he's an attractive price for sure. <laughs> All right, what about the running backs? Because you know the the, uh, the 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 ebb and flow of what we've gone through this year was, and I'm sure you were on the same page as warning people not to overreact to just one game of Mark Ingram when he came back. But as we saw, when he, one game come back, it's like, oh my god, what's going to happen to Alvin Kamara? And everybody panicked, and everything was fine. And then. We started getting these past few weeks where all of a sudden was, oh my gosh, what's happening with Mark Ingram? He has no value anymore. And then we have last week's game and it was terrific for everybody involved. 
is Mark Ingram now just like you just put him in your lineup and you have to deal with it? Or do you try and play the matchups with him and maybe you can pick and choose the rest of the season? Yeah, um, it, it is a very difficult one. So in this last game, and again, you know, we we're very much prone to what we just saw and believing that that is the, the rightest uh, answer for what's going to happen going forward. But in, in what we just saw, they involved him early. Uh, he And he had not necessarily been involved like this. He scored a, uh, a 28-yard touchdown on a screen pass early in the second quarter. And then the game just kind of really went in the direction of the Saints. You know, it was – and it, it, it worked very favorably – for Mark Ingram, if you look at the two games where he has had success so far this year, they've been blowout wins. You know, right. it was uh, that game against the Redskins where they could ju- kind of just, you know, say, Alvin Kamara, you know, go take a breather. You know, we got the bye next week. We get you a little extra rest, you know, and, and Mark Ingram kind of handled the load in that game. He scored two touchdowns against Cincinnati. Sean Payton is just a really smart play caller. You, you know, we, we, we kind of lose sight of that. I feel of that. I feel like sometimes talking about Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and, and whomever else, uh, you know, the newer upper coming guys, but Sean Payton is a great play caller and he knew exactly how to attack the Bengals. You go after their, their terrible linebacker core, which was missing Nick Vigil and Vontez perfect. Um, and, you know, was able to attack them successfully with, with both Ingram and Kamara. Um, since the bye week in week six, Alvin Kamara has 11 touches inside the 10. Mark Ingram only has four. Alvin Kamara has seven touchdowns. Mark Ingram has one. Now, not, not every, you know, every time that we talk about Mark Ingram, we don't necessarily have to talk about Alvin Kamara. That's, that's where it kind of, you, you start to get off track, you know, is when you, you just like every time that you assess Mark Ingram, you, it has to be in comparison to Alvin Kamara because right. Alvin Kamara is an elite RB1. We know that, you know, he's at the top of the heap. He's top five, six RB play every single week. And then with Mark Ingram, um, he is, I think, more toward that like lower end RB2 slash flex play. But yeah, I mean, this is another example of why, you know, we need to add another flex spot for 2019 in every season long league is because this guy should be in your lineup every week. I mean, if you are getting double digit touches in the Saints backfield, he should be in your lineup every week. Yeah. And there's no question about that. And a lot of times with the players like this and just other teams as well in general, you kind of just roll with it. You know, a good example has always been Deshaun Jackson through his career. You either start him every single week or you don't because if you try to pick and choose, you're going to miss some of the big games and you're going to start him for some of the goose eggs. And that's just what happens with that. I mean, if you're out there, Deshaun Jackson's out there 35, 40 snaps every single week. So, yeah, I'm a huge proponent. You know that. I mean, my band kickers has been get rid of the kicker and immediately just replace it with a flex. So you have the same roster size. So I I love that we're we're going down this road still with the more flexes for next year. We need to make this an industry thing and force everybody into it. So Mm -hmm. the Ravens, right? So we get news this morning before we've done this podcast that John Harbaugh is saying Joe Flacco doesn't have to practice to play. Okay, fine, whatever. We also know that the time is potentially nigh. It's, it's potentially coming maybe even in this game. Even if Joe Flacco plays, if he comes out and has 100 yards and two interceptions in the first half, we might see Lamar Jackson in the second half. What are your thoughts? And obviously there's a lot because we can't say for certain who Lamar Jackson likes. We can't say for certain where the chemistry is. But 
going into it, at least for right now, for the people out there, it's going to be a, a two-parter for you, Evan. Are you stashing Lamar Jackson in your league, even a one-quarterback league, because of maybe the Baker Mayfield type upside or even more? And then two, do you see any potential for an increase or decrease in wide receiver value with him? Like, is there any insight that you've seen yet, or is it going to have to be a play, play the waiting game and really see who, who, he, who, hmm, who he connects with? Um, yeah, I put him on every single team, uh, that, that, I, that I could get him. I, I play in on FFPC, uh, you know, the, the main event and I, we got him on every, on every team there. I put him on every season long team. Um, he's got monster, monster upside. I mean, he's got, and I, I, you know, like people overrate passing ability as it pertains to fantasy football value. Like, you know, I, I was like, you know, on, on Twitter, when that news kind of came out, I was like, you should go grab Lamar Jackson. Everybody's like, he can't throw. And, you know, like, I mean, do you remember like Tim Tebow? Like, <laughs> he couldn't throw. And he had like a bunch of big fantasy games uh, when, when he was in there for the Broncos. Uh, and I think the Ravens would use, you know, Lamar Jackson a lot more aggressively. And Lamar Jackson's a way better passer than Tim Tebow anyway, so it's silly. But, um, yeah, he would have just monster uh, upside. I mean, he is so explosive as a runner. He would legit have the ability to run for a hundred yards week in and week out. Um, and, you know, of course he would have rushing touchdown upside uh, and then just pretty much everything, like you flip it, like everything that he would do as a passer would be a bonus on top of, um, you know, what, what he would do as a runner. One thing that I kind of mapped out was like, I just gave him like a really conservative projection, like, I don't know, 22 pass attempts. He throws for 160 yards and, you know, he throws one touchdown and one interception. And then you tack on, let's say, I think 60 yards rushing is actually a really conservative projection for him yeah. as a runner um, because he's going to get like nine to 12 rushing attempts. And I mean, he could run for like well over a hundred. I mean, he's, he's more explosive than Colin Kaepernick was, you know, he's more explosive than Russell Wilson. He's more explosive than Mitchell Trubisky. Um, you know, he's not as powerful as Cam Newton, but he's more explosive. Um, so well, let know, me ask you this. Yeah. So in the preseason, actually not, this is preseason, this goes all the way back to when they signed him. And I'll see if you, maybe if you agree with this, because I kind of feel like this is the road you're heading down. And I, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. I just, uh, maybe I'm assuming what you're saying, but as soon as they signed Robert Griffin, I said, that's, they're drafting Lamar Jackson. And I, I not, maybe I created my own narrative. But I was saying that was the precursor because it was going to be the setup for him to be able to mentor Lamar Jackson. And not only the what you're saying is like you want to talk about explosive. Remember, everybody remembers mm -hmm. what Robert, Robert Griffin did running the ball in his rookie season. But not to say it's just learn how to do that, but also don't go down the road of Robert Griffin and getting yourself destroyed in three years. So I, like I just put the two pieces together. And like I said, maybe I created my own narrative, but I thought that was this is what we were looking for. Everything you're saying right now is we want that from him, but let's do it the smart way. Yeah, well, what, what I was really saying is that I mapped out this really conservative projection for Lamar Jackson, and then I gave him just a, a half of a, of a rushing touchdown and on top of like 60 rushing yards and, you know, just a really conservative passing projection. And it was like 20 fantasy points, you know, like, <laughs> and, and so, and I think that he can easily get to that. Yeah. Your concern though is with Robert Griffin, the third, because Robert Griffin, the third generally outplayed him in the preseason. Right. Um, 
And I mean, I thought Robert Griffin III looked good. Like he should be a no, he should not be a number three quarterback right now in the NFL with the state of number two quarterbacks in the NFL. And that that's your concern, really, is if if Joe Flacco doesn't play, are they going to go with RG three? Are they going to use both of them? Which would be the absolute worst, you know, just pick uh, one of these guys. But I mean, they've already shown us that they're willing to use multiple quarterbacks in the same game. So it's I, I think he's an absolute mustache in season long. I'm really excited to maybe have the opportunity to play him in daily fantasy at some point. Um, but yeah, right now we're, we're very much in wait and see mode. It seems like Harbaugh is going to take this thing down to the wire and not even tell anyone who's starting until, uh, you know, until like the inactives come out. Yeah, pretty. Maybe even not then. Maybe one of those witnesses. Hey, it's the starter, and then you know, right. you see the guy, the Pete Carroll. This is who's starting at running back. No, it's still completely the other guy. We're gonna give him all the touches. <laughs> I, I guess we're we're rooting for the Ravens to lose this week against the because I think that's the concern too. To your point, is if we see Robert Griffin, it might be they still think they have playoff aspirations because they're four and five right now. And their schedule is beyond cake the rest of the way. I mean, you're looking at a Bengals, Raiders, Falcons, Chiefs, from a matchup perspective offensively, I'm saying. Buccaneers, Chargers, and Browns. I mean, there's like, what, three playoff teams-ish in there? So, yeah, it's uh, and they're all juicy matchups offense. This is why I love John Brown this year. Another reason for that is that home stretch mm-hmm. schedule is just so beautiful. Actually, real quick, what's your feelings on John Brown? Do you think he's a great buy low if your trade deadline hasn't passed? See, this is where – so the Ravens to this point have led the NFL in pass attempts per game, over 43 pass attempts per game. And I don't think there's any chance that they're going to play like that if they change quarterbacks. Yeah. If, you're, if, you're, if you are a John Brown owner, um, which <laughs> I, I put him on like every best ball league. Don't tell me I have to root for Joe Flacco. Don't do it. <laughs> you have to root for Joe Flacco. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but – uh, it's now I'm torn, Evan. Now I'm torn, man. Now I'm pulling for Lamar Jackson on the one side, and now I have to. Pull I know. Oh, that's so terrible. All right, well, you know what? You brought up a quarterback in that conversation, and we talk about Trubisky. And I think even the most like back in February, I wrote an article, and it was he could be this year's Jared Goff. And what the explanation was is somebody going to that second year, somebody who had a lot of disappointment in the first, and still has a lot of talent. You put some pieces around him, he could grow. Even the most optimistic person, even myself, even anybody out there who was on the same page, I don't think anybody expected this level for the fact that he's been a top five quarterback. And if you take it back to the like one game, you could actually say he's been top two. I forget the break off of his week two or three, but in any case, it's been amazing. And it's because you mentioned he has some rushing ability. Now Anthony Miller is starting to click with his ability and Allen Robinson's finally healthy again. Uh, is it possible? that this offense and fantasy purposes starts to be in the conversation with maybe not quite the Rams Saints tier, but that very next one where it's like the Patriots tier, the Packers tier. Yeah. From a fantasy standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And shoot, they're getting it. They're getting that close. Like in real life. I mean, their scoring is, is like top three in the NFL since that week two game. I believe it was against Arizona. It was, Mitchell Trubisky against Sam Bradford, just one of the ugliest games that that you (laughs) will ever see. But they've gotten really aggressive about using him as a runner. Uh, He has the second most rushing yards of any quarterback behind only Cam Newton. Um, You know, they get guys open in in the receiving game. And I think that Mitchell Trubisky is just gaining more confidence as a passer. His numbers are fantastic. I mean, you watch the games and still, you know, it's – there are a lot of 
head scratching moments. You know, he throws into crowds sometimes. He gets away with interceptions, um, but they get guys open, and he can it he can absolutely hit open dudes. And they have a ton of weaponry uh, with Allen Robinson and, and Taylor Gabriel and Trey Burton and Tarek Cohen, and they're going to be getting back um, uh, Adam Shaheen, uh, who's a big beast in the red zone. A big Frankenstein looking dude. And, uh, you know, they're like, they just, it's, they're, they're in a really good position. Their offensive line is held up very well, uh, even though they, they lost uh, uh, Kyle Long. That's really been the only offensive lineman that they've been missing. So they've gotten some good health luck up front. I, I do think that they're going to finish strong offensively. I mean, I, I they, you know, it, it's, it's interesting in Chicago, like they had Lovey Smith for many years. They had a great defense and they had Mark Tressman. They had a, a really great offense and then their defense was terrible. And now they kind of have both. I mean, they're, they're kind of a legit team. Yeah. A hundred percent. All right. So hold on to your seat for this question. Cause I'm going to ask you one for fantasy only rest of the season, Evan, any of these quarterbacks you would take over Mitch Trubisky. And I say, hold on to your seat because people are going to be like, I can't believe he's in the cut, but every single quarterback I'm about to name has at least two points less per game than Mitchell Trubisky. So, and then they're, they're warranted names here if you want to make a case for them, obviously. I know you're going to say Aaron Rodgers. Obviously. So it's Deshaun Watson, <laughs> Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Phillip Rivers, Russell Wilson. They're all at least two points per game behind them. All five of those giant names are mm-hmm. playing two points per game behind Mitchell Trubisky. I would definitely take him over Rivers. Um, Rivers just hasn't had upside games this year. He's been like a solid floor play. He's got like two touchdowns every single week. But he's not he, – I don't think he has a single game inside the top eight. And Mitchell Trub- Trubisky's got like freaking six of them. Yeah. Um, I would take him over Brady. Bra- Brady's got his bye upcoming. Brady has not played particularly well. Brady has major splits with and without Gronk. We don't know what to think about Gronk right now. So, um, yeah, I, with Aaron Rodgers, ah, that's really difficult. And then um, Russ, I would take him over Russ. I'd take Trubisky over Russ. Um, and then who was the last guy? Deshaun Watson. Yeah, Deshaun Watson. That's really difficult too. Um, I think I would take Deshaun Watson over Trubisky, but it, it's it's absolutely close. And the, the fact that we're having this conversation. Here's another one. Uh, two names I didn't mention um, just because – well, actually, did I mention – no, I didn't mention Cam Newton. I was going to say on a different – talk about schedule and stuff like that because this just popped into my head. Is, you know, People start really starting to focus on the schedule the rest of the way. So on the one hand, we have Cam Newton, who is the floor master when it comes to quarterbacks. It's just two, you know, 200 yards, two touchdowns, a couple rushing yards. I'm scoring 15, 25 points every single week. Schedule, as everybody knows, is terrific. On the other hand, and they're back-to-back, that's why I brought these guys up, is Andrew Luck, who is back. Andrew Luck is back. I'm trying to tell people, and I'm sure you have too, but for weeks now, Andrew Luck is back. Stop doubting Andrew Luck. Three touchdowns every single game since week four. However. His schedule is borderline brutal the rest of the way. When it comes to a decision like that, you know, if you're in a league where you can still trade, because we get a lot of these, I know you do too. Rest of the schedule, do you take the person with the schedule like Cam Newton or would you take the person with the performances and say, screw it, I know Andrew Luck is back, I don't care who he's facing? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, I think that both of these guys are great options and – uh, the tiebreaker would be the schedule in favor of Cam Newton. Um, with that said, I, I'm not going to say anything bad about Andrew Luck because right. he's in a, an incredible situation right now. They have 
maybe the best offensive line in the league. I mean, which is, is crazy, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, look, when you're not giving up sacks and when you're really high in uh, football outsiders run blocking metrics and, you know, you're like top 10 in yards per carry and, you know, you're, I mean, you're, your quarterback has gone 189 pass attempts without taking a sack. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, their, their offensive line has, has been healthy. They have a lot of good, like, just individual personnel. Anthony Costanzo was a first-round pick. Ryan Kelly was a first-round pick. Quentin Nelson is a first-round pick. You know, um, the other dude, uh, uh, Braden Smith, is a second-round pick. The other dude, Mark Glowinski, was like the spark freak out of uh, West Virginia who, of course, didn't work in Seattle with Tom Cable because no one worked with Tom Cable. Uh, <laughs> And then he goes to Indianapolis and he's like a star, you know, run blocking uh, uh, right guard. So they have like legit, really good personnel in the, on the offensive line. Um, and then, I mean, all their weapons are healthy. You know, they got T.Y. back. They got uh, Jack Doyle back. They got, you know, Eric Ebron, who scores a touchdown every week back, you know. So they have like – and uh, Dontrell Inman has given them, you know, a, a really reliable possession receiver since they picked them up. So – they're in a really good position right now. I think that Andrew Luck is matchup proof, but I think that Cam Newton might give you a little bit higher upside down the stretch. All right. That's fair. That's a very good way of looking at it. Here's another situation. You speak of the, like the Colts. I mean, wow, to, have, to make that kind of change. And I say that because talking about change, the Titans look like they're fixed. It looks like, you know what? All that excitement, seemingly the, the majority of the fantasy industry had for Corey Davis this year is finally validated. Marcus Mariota looks healthy. They're connecting. Things are happening. Now, if you watched that game last week, which I know you did and a lot of people did, you still saw some terrible throws by Marcus Mariota. He does those seemingly every single week, misses somebody by somehow five yards. But at least for the most part, this team looks like it's fixed. And maybe it's partially because they know they can rely on the defense now with how well that defense is playing to get some type of flow on offense. And they're finally starting to connect with LaFleur and his change in the offensive style. Where are you going for in this? Is Corey Davis now a must-start every single week? Is John Smith on your radar? Do you feel any better about Derrick Henry? Because we know Deion Lewis is Deion Lewis. But do you feel any better about Derrick Henry despite the fact that all he does is score a touchdown and get five touches a game? Um, well, I think that the big uh, development really for their offense was Marcus Mariota getting healthy. I mean, Marcus Mariota could not grip the football at 100% for several weeks. And we saw what resulted from that. He had just major highs and major lows. I mean, remember when he just ripped up that Eagles defense uh, early in the year? It was like, what the heck is going on? But, you know, a bunch of his other games were bad. And it was just – you know, it was very inconsistent. You couldn't rely on anything uh, in the offense. But now uh, he's fully healthy. You know, they, they got through their bye. Um, their offensive line has largely come together, although it has rooms to, room for improvement because Jack Conklin has not even been playing recently. Uh, their right tackle, and he should be back uh, pretty soon. Uh, they should be getting back Taewon Taylor, who as an explosive element to their offense uh, hasn't, you know, hasn't been like consistent from a fantasy standpoint, but you'd rather have him out there than not in real life. Uh, Deion Lewis, them committing to him has given them, um, you know, more of a a consistent uh, like run pass threat, which I mean, I always favor the run pass threat backs over the guys that are, you know, just two down grinders in in there, like telegraphing to the defense that the run is coming. Um, You know, with Deion Lewis, you, you have the threat of both and, 
Derrick Henry did play pretty well last week. Uh, he scored uh, early on a goal line touchdown, and then uh, he also had a wildcat rushing TD, finished with 11 carries for 58 yards, had some great runs in, in clock-killing time when the Patriots had essentially given up. Um, but, no, I don't feel any more comfortable about him. I mean, his, his usage, his touches were all in the same range. He's not getting targets. Deion Lewis is the dude. Uh, he had, I know he didn't have as many fantasy points last week, but he had 22 touches. He was like 75% of the snaps. Derrick Henry was, you know, 11 touches, half as many, and 25% of the snaps or 30 or whatever. So, no, I, 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 I'm not, you know, I, Derrick Henry is what he is. He's a touchdown or bust flex option every single week. Um, and he's not, his arrow is not pointing up with Marcus Mariota. Um, they, they've got some good matchups coming up. I mean, they're facing the Colts this week and then, uh, they have the Texans, which is not terribly, uh, imposing on Monday night, the following week. Uh, and then they, they go home against the jets. That looks really, really juicy right now. So over the next three weeks, I mean, Corey Davis is going to be a wide receiver too in all of those games. And Marcus Mariota will be a very viable streamer. Okay. Oh, yes, that's, I completely agree with you. All right. Two more quick ones and we'll get you out of here. Uh, it's a busy time of year. I can't believe we're already talking about week 11 here. All right. So the Eagles, two different angles. One is this backfield. And I kind of feel like I don't know if you had a particular running back at the beginning of the season after this whole cluster that you like, but I kind of feel like at least with this backfield is one is people don't seem to understand the concept that Doug Peterson is going to use a committee. He's always going to use a committee. He's going to continue to use a committee and people still just keep trying to figure out a way that that's not going to happen. I also feel like the majority, and again, I'm not saying you, and that's why I started with that part is because if it feels to me, like if you watch, I guess you would call it the fantasy Twitter hashtag fantasy Twitter. It's like, People keep moving on and on and on. Like, it's JHI, and they're like, well, I was always a Clement person. It's Clement time. And then Clement goes, it's, I was a Smallwood time. And now it's Josh Adams time. It's always the next guy's time. And I feel like it's everybody always wanting to chase something in this backfield because they see the potential of the offense, and they want something to happen that's just never going to happen because it's Doug Peterson. Where, where are you on this entire mess? Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't have high expectations, you know, but – um. I, you know, I like I play in like deeper leagues or deeper bench leagues and like Josh Adams is definitely worth rostering, you know, as a guy who right now looks like he's going to be getting double digit touches per game and potentially goal line carries. He's certainly not going to be a league winner, you know, but but league winners are also difficult to find. Um, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to roster Josh Adams, but not with high expectations. Uh, and then Wendell Smallwood and Corey Clement, they have just been awful. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Corey Clement has been one of the biggest disappointments of the season. I mean, for a guy that, you know, I mean, the signs have always been there. You know, he, he's, he's not a good athlete. Um, he, you know, went undrafted out of Wisconsin, a school where, you know, all the scouts, they know exactly, you know, what's going on at Wisconsin. Um, and he had the one, the one big game in the Super Bowl. Didn't really have big games beyond that. Uh, and, you know, people kind of just ran with that. And then Wendell Smallwood, we've kind of always known that, that he's been bad. And he's actually outplayed Corey Clement, I think, for the most part this season uh, as a runner and as a receiver. But he's terrible in pass protection. I mean, just a, a, a walking sack waiting to happen for Carson Wentz, and they really can't trust him. I think that Josh Adams has one target on the season, okay? So we really don't have high expectations. I, I do think that at Josh Adams – could potentially get to a point where he's 
a flex option. Okay. I think that's the upside that we're looking at. <laughs> I think that's the best case scenario. All right. So the wide receiver situation, we have the trade with Golden Tate and obviously we know his ability. We know the potential concerns of who's doing the slot work. And then we have this game where it's not just the fact that they kept using Aguilar out of the slot. It's also 18 snaps for Golden Tate in that game. And is this just a matter of it's difficult and people don't realize that it's pretty difficult for a wide receiver to change teams mid-course in the season and learn entire playbook? Or is this a potential long-term concern in your mind with Golden Tate? Yeah, you know, it's, it's actually hard for, for receivers to change teams in the offseason and then True. have success. You know, that's, that's one of the biggest sources of, of bus, of free, like free agency bus in the, in the real NFL or um, wide receivers changing teams. And, um, you know, but it, it also kind of highlights. Um, and so, you know, you expect difficulty for it to happen in season, but, you know, you look at the situation in Dallas where Amari Cooper has been, I think he's been a success so far. Um, with, you know, he's, he's, he was immediately incorporated as a full-time player. He, uh, he has 18 targets through two games, um, you know, and he's been productive. He's been actually efficient in Dallas so far. And then the Eagles who had, I mean, Golden Tate was a, an Eagle for two weeks before his first game. Yeah. What, what the heck? Why, he's been, he's being used as a fourth receiver, manufactured <laughs> touch receiver in his first game. That was really disappointing. The, the entire Eagles offense has been disappointing. And, you know, they lost a lot of talented coaches in the offseason. They lost Frank Reich, who's having a ton of success, at least offensively, in Indianapolis. They lost John Filippo, who has had to deal with, you know, maybe the worst offensive line in the NFC in, in Minnesota, but they have still had, have, had an uh, above-functional offense in Minnesota. So I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I think, I mean, obviously I think the golden Tate is going to play more, but I, I don't know. I mean, are you going to use him this week? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd use him this week. Nelson Aguilar was still the, the full-time slot receiver in week 10. Yeah. And that's the biggest concern is the, I, I don't know if you do. I mean, I get like, it's going to be like, somebody's going to have a good game. It is the saints and it is still the mm -hmm. slot option. <laughs> That's what you want when you're facing them. But if it is Aguilar, as you said, and as we brought up the numbers, it's just 18. I think Aguilar had somewhere around like 54 snaps or something like that. Is it? Yeah. That's, I don't know how trustworthy he is. Watch. It's going to be, he's still going to get 18 snaps. He's going to pull Eric Ebron on us. He's going to get two touchdowns out of those 18 snaps. Last one to get you out of here on this, Evan, this one's a little bit selfish and I don't know if you know, but I was like, I slobbered over Rashad Penny at the draft and I wanted Rashad Penny to happen. And, but admittedly, as I even wrote in the waiver column this week is if you look at my preseason rankings, I dropped them way down the list because I can't, I can't sit here and say, I like the talent. I don't care what I see. Like at some point you say, you know what? Chris Carson is the guy. Chris Carson's who Pete Carroll likes. We have Rashad Penny kind of breakout-ish game because it wasn't like it was only him. He was still involved with Mike Davis, but we have the numbers, and he was third of all running backs last week in yards after contact, blah, 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 blah. Even me, slobbering over Penny, still wrote in that column, if Chris Carson's ready for the game, it's going to be Chris Carson. I would love for Penny to be a thing, but it's Pete Carroll, and Pete Carroll has an affinity for Chris Carson. Do you see that the same way, or were you one way or another? Were you a Chris Carson guy all along? 
do you see there any any hope for people that are trying to grab Penny at this point of the season as somebody who could potentially help you down the stretch? Well, I really liked Rashad Penny coming out of uh, SDSU. I mean, Good. I, I, I watched him a ton. Uh, I loved him. I thought that he should have gone at like pick 50. And so, you know, when the draft position comes in and he's a first rounder, you know, at number 27, you're like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> you know, um, so, but that doesn't really flip like, you know, but we're, we're, we're still like fantasy prognosticators at the end of the day. Right. So, um, but yeah, definitely when they started talking about Chris Carson, you know, like that, and I've always liked Chris Carson, um, but he got hurt last year. And, but when they started talking about him, it definitely sent up a red flag. And then we saw, you know, it, it really set in during the preseason when, um, you know, you're watching the preseason games and Rashad Penny is not getting first team reps and Chris Carson is right. And, um, you know, that, that's when it really set in. I, you know, I, I'm kind of like on the fence from a personal standpoint because I drafted a ton of Rashad Penny, like in the 11th round before the draft. And so when he, when he went in the first round, I was like, this is dumb, but yes, you know, like <laughs> I'm, I'm cashing checks now, you know? Um, but then, you know, but then I was like, all right, well, you know, they were just, and, and I totally stopped drafting him after, after the draft. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know what to think, man. I, I really don't. Um, in this, in this week 11 game, I, you know, was wishing just from, just to make it easier on us, I was wishing that, uh, Chris Carson would just take another week off and, you know, we could get a, a split backfield with Mike Davis and Rashad Penny. We could both, we could project them, you know, pretty safely for, I don't know, 10 to 15 touches of a person in a pretty good matchup at home. And they would both be pretty good, I don't know, low-end RB2, high-end flex plays, you know. But now that we have three of them, it's like, I, this, these are the worst. These are the worst situations, you know, Philadelphia, uh, until the Patriots backfield gets narrowed from three to two, it's always a nightmare. Yep. You know, all the three man backfields are like, you, you gotta, you know, you, until you, the Packers really want to rid of Mark exactly. Montgomery and exactly. McCarthy wisened up. <laughs> exactly. The three man backfields are the worst. We need it. We're fine with two, you know, we can definitely do two, but three is like, I just, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pass. <laughs> I'm with you. I would love for it to happen, but if Carson's active, uh, yep, I'm checking out of that one, and I guess I'm going Carson for everything. But as always, I appreciate it, Evan. Again, one more time, I know we did it at the top, but I want to make sure people know where to find you. Make sure they know when to check out your column coming up for this week and all that type of stuff. So give them that rundown real quick before you get out of here. Yeah, uh, at Evan Silva and RotoWorld.com. Thanks so much for having me, Jake. Um, you know, we got to do a, like a, a like a training camp show with Jeff Manns, like a roundtable thing with uh, yeah. with Dolan, uh, Dolan of Fantasy Guru. He's he's really good. I thought that was awesome, and I, I always love talking talking ball with you, man. Thanks for having me on. No, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Once again, that was the great. Evan Silva of Roto World, one of the kings of the industry. Make sure you're giving him a follow. Make sure you're reading up on his stuff. Tons of knowledge in that column every single week. As a reminder, go do the five stars, reviews, rate, subscribe, all that type of stuff. Get into the contest. Send me the screenshot. This week, very quickly this week, is only going to be this week so I can get it out there. So go do that. Check us back tomorrow on the Patreon show. I'll be back Thursday for the regular Thursday All-In Sports show. And everything else is uh, gravy, I guess. 
I'll talk to you next time.